This episode of Ramble by the River is brought to you by Ford Electric, 360-642-2137. Serving Southwest Washington since 1944, Ford Electric is the local standard for quality electrical work and outstanding customer service. But don't just take my word for it. Richard H. went to Yelp to say that the Ford Electric team were prompt, careful, explained things well, left clear instructions, and were generally cheerful. They actively planned to minimize any inconvenience to me, and they worked hard to make the new outlets work well and look good. Alan P. said, In less than an hour, Ford came in and repaired the broken thermostat on my baseboard heater, and then upgraded three of my old fluorescent lights with cool new LED disc lights. Thank you for another great service call. You guys rock! Jessica M. had this to say, Very nice staff. You can tell this place is family owned in a good way. And that's really cool. Everyone I worked with seemed to really care about the level of service that they provided. Very helpful in figuring out what I really needed, since electrical work is not my area of expertise, and making sure I understood what was going on. We'll definitely use them again. Five stars. Five star review after five star review. All of them saying how wonderful it is to work with Ford Electric. Whether you're in need of someone to wire your new construction project or you need someone to call when the lights go out, go with Ford Electric. Call 360-642-2137 to schedule your electrical service today. I can tell you from personal experience, I know the guys who work for this company, I know the guys who own this company, and they are top of the line, cream of the crop, human beings. If you call them and schedule something, you're gonna get the best service available, and that's just a given. So don't make the mistake of going with somebody else. Call Ford Electric today for your electrical service in Southwest Washington. One more time, that's 360-642-2137 for Ford Electric. <laughs> Pot of gold. Hello and welcome to this, another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. I am I'm your host, Jeff Nesbitt, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Amelia Grace Nesbitt. Okay, go ahead. How about we start over? Go ahead. Hello, and welcome to an exciting episode of Ramble by the River. I'm your host, Amelia Nesbitt, Jeff Nesbitt's daughter. My whole name is Amelia Grace Nesbitt, and his whole name is Jeff Nesbitt. Stanton Jeffrey. Stanton Jeffrey. And we got a great show for you today, guys. That was really good. Okay, how old are you, Amelia? Four. That's awesome. What's your birthday? March 9th, always be- it's always been March 9th. You know that, Dad. Okay, fine, I do. I'm just proud of you. Dad, you don't have to be proud of me all the time, you know. I can't help it. Because I'm the cutest girl ever. That's what I think. You know, I think my baby self is cuter. No, you're the same person. No, I'm not. I was a baby. That's what I meant. And the audience don't even see me as a baby, duh. I was cuter. So stick around. And this, people, my dad's podcast fans. <laughs> this show is also going to have some songs in it. Woohoo! I like that. Thanks. I just wanted to add it in so they knew.
Yeah, that's perfect. So, Amelia, how have you been? It's been a while since you've been on the show. I've just been busy and going to school, Dad, you know. That's right. You're going to school now. Yeah. How, how are you liking that? Really, I don't really like it that much, but I'm really excited for something. What are you excited for? To go to my cousin's house to go be, do pumpkin carving. That is going to be really exciting. That is going to be a lot of fun. Are you a big fan of Halloween? Yes, I really am. Do you know what you're going to be for Halloween this year? Um, yes. What? Poke. I mean, Moana. You're going to be Moana? Yes. Do you know any of the songs for Moana? Um, let me think. I forgot. I got to watch Moana again. Yeah, you do. Every, let me think. Every road I take, every road leads back, every path I know to the where I cannot go. What is wrong with me? Every path I take, every road leads back, every path I take, every road leads back. What is wrong with me? I've arrived in the wind and sea. Can you call me? No one knows how far it goes. Done. Perfect. Okay, so we should probably talk about real estate, right? Houses? Yeah. I know you came prepared with some statistics. And we should also talk about America, where we live, duh. This is America. Dad, let's just... Look what I'm whipping, though. Dad, let's just start the show. Okay. Do you own a home? Or are you planning to buy a home after the I... fix? You're interrupting. Yeah, big oops, huh? Mm-hmm. Big oops. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, yeah, I do own a home. You do. And you've been doing some research, haven't you? No. On, on I... market conditions? No, I don't know what research means. <laughs> research means you've been looking into it, like checking it out and s- trying to learn about it. Um... Really, I already know a lot about my house. You do? Yeah. Tell so, me some stuff. So, it's red, and it's right next to the place we're podcasting in. Mm-hmm. And um, we also have a dog. I, if I read you some stuff, can you say it after me? Yeah. Okay. Do you own a home? Yes. No, I'm going to, you repeat what I say. <laughs> can I just say what I want to say? No. I just want to say yes or no. I'm not asking you, though. I'm asking the audience. Huh? And actually, you're asking the audience. Oh. Remember? Okay. Um, okay. Do you own a home? Yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, why? Just re- repeat after me. Okay, I forgot. It's <laughs> okay. Do you own a home? Do you own a home? Or are you planning to buy a home once, our, once we fix our broken economy? the ground because Hillary answered one of the associates at Rhea Associates is going to give her top tips on where to buy, where when to buy, and how to buy, and where to buy. Dad, we literally did that. The same thing over again. You're doing so good. Thanks. But first, news and current events. I don't even know that. Can we cut out the blah blah part? Because I. Whatever, whenever time I say blah, blah, can you cut it out? Yeah. Because I do not want the audience to see, see me say blah, blah. Yeah, that's fine.
up first, the CDC adds COVID-19 vaccine to the list of recommended vaccines for adults and kids. Vaccine is now approved for everyone over six months old. Um, what's it According to Politico, published on October 20th, 2022, the CDC's independent vaccine advisors voted 15 to 0 last Thursday to add most COVID-19 vaccinations offered in the United States to the childhood, adolescent, and adult immunization schedules. The immunization schedules, which are updated every fall before going into effect the following year, consolidate all of the CDC's vaccine recommendations in one document for states that use them as guidance for school entry requirements. The additions formalize recommendations the CDC has already made on COVID vaccinations in individuals ages six months and older for shots that the FDA has approved or authorized for emergency use. Don't whisper because there's no one else in here. Okay. I just want to know, I'm not going to say that because it's too hard. You don't have to say that part. I'm just going to read this part. Okay. Um, So basically, Mills, what this is about is that the CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control, they're telling us we should probably let everybody have COVID shots now, even little babies that are six months old. Like me? You're four. (laughs) So yes, including you. I don't like that. (laughs) I really don't. What? I don't like the idea of giving children this vaccine. It doesn't make any sense to me. What is the point of giving it to kids? I have no idea. But, um, so, audience that are listening to us right now, um, we are actually, I, um, am I gonna sing? I'm gonna say something that my, my, that my dad didn't tell me, and I'm also going to sing when my dad didn't Tell me. I want to finish this article. Um, How about after this? You can sing a little bit? Okay. So according to the committee, this doesn't mean that these vaccines are mandated across the country. All that it means is that states now have the responsibility of making these decisions on their own. Here in Washington state, Eastern Washington Congresswoman Kathy McMorris Rogers warned Governor Inslee to not mandate the COVID-19 vaccine for children following the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices from the CDC. In the letter to Governor Inslee, Kathy wrote, I write to ask that you do not mandate COVID-19 vaccines for healthy children and leave that decision to parents and their pediatricians. Families across the state may be forced to choose between either sending their children to a public school or making the best decision for their health. CDC has made clear that the recommendations are not indicative of support or a mandate for all children and that the decision is left to the states. However, throughout the pandemic, you have repeatedly used CDC guidance as justification for heavy-handed mandates that kept children out of school and masked them when they were finally allowed to go back. I am concerned that you will use the CDC's latest action to continue your record of harmful government mandates on our children and strip parents of their rights. So what do you think about that, Amelia? Um, I don't know, because I was just playing with my fidget. Oh, okay. Well, this this government lady says, please don't make our kids have the shots. Let the parents decide. And I think that's a really good advice. Me too. Yeah, parents should have that decision. But I have no idea what the doctors think. That. I don't either. The parents should think that. Can I have, and can I have a drink of our bubbly water? Of course. Thank you. I just don't want to walk over and I forgot my mic was even on me
here. Yeah, to be honest, I had a bunch more COVID stuff to talk about, but it's bumming me out. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Me neither. Let's just leave it at that. COVID is still around. There's still vaccines available. The government is still encouraging people to get them. And it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. Me neither. Moving on. Kanye West, or I should say the artist formerly known as Kanye West. Kanye West. Yeah, Kanye West. Kanye West. Do you know that one uh, song that we play in the truck sometimes? It goes, we don't want no devils in this house. We want the Lord. And it goes, I'm trying to keep my faith. We on an ultralight beam. We on an ultralight beam. This is a God dream. This is a God dream. The one where it goes. We the best. Music, music, music. You know that one? So beautiful. Oh, that's a jam, all right. I like that one. DJ Khaled. Khaled. We the best. Music. So beautiful. She don't want me nobody else. That one? Yeah. Um, she just for me. Can we be done with this stuff and I can just do my singing parts? We haven't talked about Kanye yet. <laughs> Actually, we don't have to because I'm going to do that one and ramble on the road. I know that. You didn't know that. I did. I haven't told you. You're smarter than me. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm smarter than you. Definitely not. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and sing. We the we, we the best music. That we always jumping in the hair in my hair. Sunshine on the water looks so lovely. Sunshine on my eyes can make me cry. Sunshine on my shoulders make me happy. Sunshine on my shoulders can make me cry. And the mountains are the best. The water is a lot. I'm not sure where to go. Maybe on the mountaintop with snow. There we go. With the beach. Yeah. With Ramble by the river, daddy, and the sunset is setting, I'm not sure where to paint. Ramble by the river is made possible by the generous contributions from our listeners. Now, you're probably listening to this on a free service like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and that's perfectly fine. I strongly encourage you to keep doing that. But there are some people who want to support the show on the next level, and they go to patreon.com slash ramblebytheriver and subscribe for the Patreon channel. Subscribers get early access to all the free episodes, plus they get access to the monthly companion podcast to Ramble by the River, Ramble on the Road. That's where I get a little more personal, just a little more free and easy and loose, because I know that a smaller group is going to hear it. Subscribers to the Royal Ramblers will get a free Ramble by the River t-shirt after their third month. So if you're interested in taking it to the next level and supporting the show, becoming part of a wonderful community of listeners, go to ramblebytheriver.com and click subscribe at the top of the page. Thank you very much. 
If you'd like to contact us or reach out on social media, you can find us at Ramble by the River on Facebook and Instagram and at Ramble River Pod on Twitter. All this information can be found at RambleByTheRiver.com, where you can also find the most recent episodes and exciting updates about the show. Big thank you to our guest from last episode, Alex Falcone. Uh, We had a really good time on that podcast, and if you haven't heard it, go check that out. It's available on all major podcast players and at RambleByTheRiver.com. We talk about comedy, life, and his career in Hollywood, and a lot more. So go check that out. We all watched over the last two years as the real estate market exploded. Property values skyrocketed as many left the crowded cities for a more rural existence, and the demographics of local communities began to shift. The changes have been great for some, home sellers, real estate agents, and appraisers, and have been catastrophic for others, like low-income renters or homeowners on a fixed income who suddenly have to spend twice as much on property taxes. Needless to say, it has been quite dramatic. It seems crazy to think that this frothy market could continue to rise, and many have been wondering if we should expect an impending crash. I wanted to ask somebody who knows what they're talking about, somebody who's really in this market on a daily basis and understands some of the underlying trends. My guest today is a real estate agent headquartered in Southwest Oregon. She grew up in a small town in Idaho, spent some time in Southern California before moving to Astoria, Oregon, where she now lives with her husband and her young son. She's passionate about her work. She seems to have a knack for helping people find the perfect new home, and she really knows her stuff. Without further ado, please welcome the hardest working lady in the real estate biz, Hillary Anderson. I didn't know I was doing it when I started. That's awesome. I was just like, oh, I'll just put a mountain on the back. That'll look cool. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that one looks weird by itself. <laughs> just throw another mountain up there. I just using that blue painter's tape. I love it. Yeah, it was fun. I, I really like doing arts and crafts. I am. I'm not an artsy person, so I'm jealous of people who are. Huh? You're not an artsy person. Did you ever take art classes or anything? I did. And you're still not an artsy, artsy person? I love the idea of it. They didn't take, huh? I'm just, I can do photography. I went to school for it. Oh, yeah. But painting, drawing, I mean, I can kill a stick figure. Yeah, art's hard. Yeah. I, I have a lot more drive to do art than I do skill. I don't have that much skill. That's a self-limiting belief. That's true. But I think skills are acquired. Okay. Like, natural ability is one thing, but... 
skills you have to teach yourself or somebody has to teach you. So it's not so much self-limiting. I, I think I have potential, but never the training to actually make it anything. Yeah. All right. Just making sure that's not sliding down. If this thing slides down to where it's covering the camera, would you just... I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. I'll try to keep an eye on it. Oh, so how's the market? It's good. Um, I mean, it's shifted. Over the last 24 months, we were obviously in a very strange place just worldwide. Um, and real estate felt that. Things got intense, wild, out of control. Um, Frothy. Frothy. <laughs> kind of on fire. There was like no places left to buy, right? It was market was completely Our inventory was so low. So I've been in this for two years, a short amount of time in like the big picture. My mentor, uh, Brie Phillips, she has done this for 16 years. Um, and she kept telling me like, usually we have, you know, over 300 houses on the market. And when I started, there were 54. So she went through the last real estate recession. E, I believe 2008 so. would have been, yes, but within 15. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was such limited inventory that when something new came on, it was how fast can you get in to see it if you get in to see it. If not, you're coaching your buyers on, okay, we're going to make an offer on this house sight unseen. Was there a lot of that happening? Yes. Wow. A ton. That's crazy. Would you ever do that? Yes. If the market conditions are right? Yeah, I would. Um, I think before I started this, probably not because mm. I was too scared. Now that I'm educated on the contingencies that you have and the safe holds that you have as far as like, you can terminate. And you can protect yourself and it's your agent's job to protect you. Yeah. And you can always sell it after. And you can you always sell like it. it. Yeah. Uh, I truly believe that real estate's never a bad investment. Owning a house is always going to cost money. But if you hold on to it, you know, long enough, if you put in the effort and the time, then it's you're going to get your money back. Yeah. What, when's the best time to buy? Now. When you need one, right? I mean, when. As soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. When people say like, oh, I'm not ready. Like, I'm just going to wait. I'm, I'm just going to save up a little bit more. I'm just going to wait till the market, you know, drops a little more, softens is what you hear a lot right mm -hmm. now. And it's, you're going to be waiting forever because there's always that next excuse. There's always that like, oh, well, I'm not ready right now. It's like, well, when's the best time to buy? Yeah. Now. Yeah, that makes sense. You got to strike while the iron's hot. When you feel ready or when not. When it's available and when you need it. Yeah. So how did you actually get into real estate? Because before that you were a nurse, right? Uh, no, before that, I have worked in the ER for years. What were you doing in the ER? I am a CNA two, and CNA then I went to paramedic two. school. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So similar, similar ballpark, but not similar not ballpark. Quite your, so that's certified nurses assistant. Yes. And then uh, an EMT. Yep. Cool. Yep. And how long did you do that for? Uh, I still pull shifts in the ER. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Just uh, for the love of the game, or because they need you? They, you get called in. I get I get scheduled, but it's it's very much out of a, I still love it. It still fills my cup. Mm -hmm. I've always loved the science. Medicine was my first love. I'm not sure I could ever give it up. I have a great career now that provides for me and my family, but I still have that thing inside me that's like, okay, yeah, let's do this. People need those people, you know, the ones who are here to help. Yeah. So does that get difficult being a, a mom and all that? Yes. How do you balance that? Good question. 
still trying Especially to figure that out. Especially with real estate too, because you're you don't really have a schedule that's set, right? You kind of just got to work when you have to work, or is that the case? So it's setting boundaries is hard, um, but you have to, or mm-hmm. you will do exactly what you just said. You will work when you work, no matter what time of day it is. I mean, I had an agent, um, you know call me at 8.45 last night. And I was like, I'm not taking your call right now. Good for you. It's 8.45 at night. Like we can address this tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And we yeah. did. It's really hard to not take the call, especially if there's money on the other end. It's really hard to not take the call. But um, yeah, it's good for your family to not take the call. Exactly. It's uh, the balance is, you know, we set the parameters for our clients. We set expectations first and foremost is what they expect from me and what I expect from them. And then finding that mutual ground on how we're going to make this work, how it's going to be really synergistic. Mm-hmm. Um, if you listen to my voicemail, it says, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five with appointments on Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, it's Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. with appointments on Saturday and Sunday and checking my email everywhere in between. Those are long days. They are long days. That's very long days. Um, But you love it, don't you? I love it. You're just, it's something you really enjoy? Yeah, it is. That's important. Most people don't have that. I mean, a lot of people don't have that for their job. They have to do what they love outside of work and then go to work and endure it. Yeah. But that's a really special thing to be able to do something you actually enjoy. I feel very privileged that I found this, um, that I found real estate, that I found the team, I think is a huge part of it. Oh yeah. Being a broker is a huge job. There's a lot more that goes into it than people think. Mm-hmm. Um, but the team that I am surrounded by, I think is a huge part of why I love it so much. Yeah. They say like, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. So if you're hanging out with five CEOs, you'll probably be the sixth. Right. If you're hanging out with five crackheads, you might be the sixth one of those. Oh, Jesus. It matters who you surround I, yourself with. It 100% does. Yeah. Um, so tell me about your path. How did you get from birth to here? <laughs> Let's get in, in a nutshell. Okay. Who are you? Nutshell. Uh, born and raised in Hope, Idaho. It's even smaller than Sandpoint, but people know Sandpoint. And if they don't know Sandpoint, then they know Coeur d'Alene. And if they don't know Coeur d'Alene, then they know Spokane. Um, so How far is it from Spokane? Two hours. Okay. So that's pretty, that's like Portland in here. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So it's just a small rural town. Um, Hope has no stoplights, one post office and one elementary school. And that's the most easy way I can explain it. The What's most. the population? Um, of the recent census or of the sign that I have in my backyard? It, it's like in the hundreds? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, that's a small town. Um, there might be an old population sign that I found. <laughs> Um, and it says population of hope, 56. Wow. That's mm-hmm. like my graduating class in high school. That's insane. And I thought we had a small town. That's that's tiny. It's little. So Th- is there a mayor? I don't think so. Not of hope. Of Sandpoint, yes. Okay. Not of hope. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a tiny place. And what do your parents do? Or, um, or did they do? Did. They're both retired now and living their best lives. Um, my mom went back to school, got her master's when I was three years old. And she was a school counselor with her master's in psychology. She's cool. brilliant at it. An amazing woman. Um, and my dad was a contractor as well as like a, he went on to work for bigger companies. He did small con- construction jobs in Sandpoint, um, but he worked for companies like Lydig and went to California, Indiana, all over the U.S. when we were younger and did big jobs. Cool. Like yeah. big uh, industrial buildings and stuff? B- 
big industrial buildings. Malls is what I remember a oh, lot from wow. when I was little. Like he would build um, Ann Taylor's and White House Black Markets, Victoria's Secrets. Wow. Um, so big stuff. Big, big stuff. stuff. That's big cool. Jobs. Yeah. Man, that's that would be intense. I think about that sometimes when I'm looking at buildings like that. I'm like, imagine being the guy who just like, just like I'm going to fucking build a giant building. Yeah. It takes some balls. Or I'm going to be responsible for the 500 people building this building. That's even scarier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because people die on giant construction projects and you have to try to make sure that doesn't happen. Like imagine being in charge of a dam construction or a bridge oh. where it's you're absolutely sure somebody's gonna die there's n- like has there ever been a bridge construction without a death i don't know i doubt it but that doesn't sound like something that i personally would ever be interested in that's not yeah. my niche you know what i'd be even less interested in being the guy who's at risk of dying from the bridge construction True. i'd rather be in charge don't get into construction then yeah yeah or th- those guys walking across those beams and those old pictures i don't oh want to do God. that job those big i beams terrify me like the big skyscraper buildings yeah it's crazy they no, built thanks. some amazing stuff. Humans are impressive what we can build. We can build humans. We can build buildings. Yeah. We're pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. <laughs> so um, you did you spend this the, your whole childhood in the same little town all I the way did. through high school? Yeah, all the way through high school. I went to high school in Sandpoint High School. Um, and then I graduated early. I moved to California. I was a nanny for years in California. Um, loved it. What part of California? Los Angeles. Oh, did you like it down there? I did. I loved it's it. It's a nice place. Um, I mean, it has its perks. People complain about <laughs> it constantly, but if it weren't great, people wouldn't even talk about it. Like you wouldn't hear about it so much. People wouldn't want to go there if it weren't a cool place. It's true. It has, I haven't been back in years, um, regrettably so, but I lived... The family that I nannied for lived in Westchester, which was like a little suburb up from Santa Monica, still far enough away from like downtown Los Angeles that Mm -hmm. it felt like a big city. It was huge. Yeah, it's pretty big. But I went running at nighttime in in our neighborhood, so it felt safe. I was also 17 and very naive. There could have been a predator lurking around behind you the entire time and you just barely, barely escaped. You never know. I should have died so many times. That's a scary thought. It's it's one that I'm like, yeah, that wasn't a smart decision. It is a dangerous place. Yeah. The last time I was there, a homeless man harassed my wife. No good. No good. No good. Um, lived there, nannied there for two different families. The first moved away. They actually moved to Seattle, Bainbridge Island. Hmm. Um, nannied there. some money. They, yes. Well, they started a really amazing company and they cool. actually were kind of my first insight to, well, my father was my first insight to running a business and then they were my second and I knew... I knew I wanted to run a business at some point. I just didn't know I was going to be in real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had in the back of your mind all along, you knew like, I want to do something where I get to have a little bit of independence. Very much so. And um, what was the business they started? Uh, they started Kiki Pants. What is that? It is a bamboo clothing line. Oh. It's actually a huge bamboo clothing line now. It's it's grown so much over the last 10 years. Aaron and Nick Cloak hmm. started it. Uh, they were working out of their garage when I worked for them. Like the offices were in the garage and we had boxes of clothes that would go out to fulfillments. And then there were fulfillment centers in Sacramento. Did they buy the bamboo cloth from like a supplier? From China, yeah. From China? Yeah. That's amazing that they can make such soft material out of bamboo. It's soft, it's sustainable. You can chop down a whole bunch of bamboo and it grows back like a weed. So it's- It's grass. it's, It's just really, really hardy grass. I- at some point, go on their website, um, kickypants.com, and 
now they make adult clothing and like maternity clothes, sheets that Ooh. are the softest sheets you'll ever sleep sheets. in. Yeah. They were almost too soft. Oh I, I almost didn't like it. Like, no, I'm not even joking. They were too soft. It felt like spider webs on me or something. What? Yeah. I don't like. Uh, well, first of all, I'm not a top sheet guy. Do you sleep okay. with a top sheet? I never used to. I've been trained to sleep you, with a top sheet. You strike sheet. me as a top sheeter. I'll, I'll be honest. I've never. You you would laugh so hard, actually. So I used to sleep with a bottom sheet and a comforter and that's it. That's my jam. Yeah. That's how I like to do it. I've been trained otherwise now. I've yeah. had to adapt. And I like to just vary the thickness of the comforter depending on the time of year then you're you're just you're set with one blanket so you want to know it's funny hmm. i'm like a down comforter all year round kind of a girl well that like, one kind of regulates it's big, got that thick air space down comforter. that's pretty nice we do that we're i think we're on a down comforter right now but oh no we got a buffy it's like a, i think actually it might be made of bamboo maybe not though what's it a might, buffy a buffy it's just a brand okay. it, it's one of those things that uh some podcaster advertised and I bought and I was like, oh, this actually is legit. It's a good, it's a good comforter. Okay. But it's really ugly. I don't, that's the one thing I'm like, oh man, it looks like, you know, that, that look that white, white fabrics get after they've been heavily used where it's like a dingier browner thing. The, Dingy, the edges pilly. get really rumply yeah. and it's just like not, it doesn't look nice anymore. Yep. It looked like that right out of the box. Oh no. Yeah. So it was, it was not pretty, but I don't give a shit. I like it. It's comfy. So I, you know, even in the cover, the cover itself was like. I was gonna say, what if frumpy. you put it in kind of a like a cover, like a yeah, duvet cover? It almost. came with one. Yeah. I, I think it was like kind of that uh, something that appeals to people about being rustic. Like okay. I don't know. That's it's that vibe, like a rustic. I don't know. I don't like the look of it, but I like the feel of it. So okay. I think we've covered Buffy enough. Um, yeah. Where, where were we at in your life? Um, moved from Los Angeles. Mm. To Astoria. My sister lived here. Um, I had kind of become a little bit estranged from my family. Um, thought I knew everything, you know, at... As we all do at that age. At 19. <laughs> um, thought I knew everything, thought I was on top of the world. Became a little bit estranged from my family, but was kind of finding my own way. Uh, my sister and her husband lived here. They had just moved here and gotten jobs after college. Um, I moved in with them. And... Uh, I ended up staying. Nice. And now what's the age difference with your sister? I have two sisters. The first age difference is three and the second age difference is six. So I moved in with my sister who's six years older than me. Oh, wow. That's probably perfect. Yeah. Far enough ahead of you to really kind of get the lay of the land. Yeah. What'd you do when you moved to Astoria? I went back to school. I went to school at Clatsop Community College um, and I started taking courses in medicine. And then I worked as a waitress at Supper Club. Oh, I love that place. Yeah. That's one of the best restaurants around. It is. Um, I'm going to adjust this light really quickly. Okay. Please don't fall. I haven't fallen yet. The mother and medical worker in me gets very scared. I need to put a railing in here. It's pretty bad. Well, it's kind of like a tree fort. It is. That's exactly how it feels. <laughs> All right. That's going to stay. It's like the tree forts we had growing up before things, you know, got up to code. Or it was like, you might die every time you play in it, but it's no, fun. That's the only kind I ever had. <laughs> I like these chairs. They're comfortable. I, they kind of hold you nicely. Yeah, but who doesn't love a bucket seat? Yeah. I've really gone through a lot of uh, changes in chairs. Oh, yeah? In equipment in general, but chairs has been probably the most. Well, I can imagine it's what someone is sitting in, so you want it to be comfortable. 
Yeah. And also, you're sitting in it all day, so. Okay. Back in action. Back in action. So you're in Astoria. Mm-hmm. You're living with your sister. Living you, with my sister. And her husband, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. And uh, where do we go from here? From here, uh, you know, tale as old as time. Fall in love, stay in Astoria, and then the rest is history. So when did you decide to switch to real estate? This was two years ago? Uh, this was probably closer to three years ago with like schooling and stuff. Um, so real estate, I was kind of at a crossroads. Um, I just had a baby trying to figure out if I wanted to go back to medicine, if I wanted to ride on an ambulance full time. Um, my husband works shift work as well. So it just wasn't conducive. What does he do? He's a cop. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, so two parents that work shifts that could be in the middle of the day, in the middle of the night. That's pretty rough. It doesn't work with a newborn. Yeah. And I, uh, it was it was quite serendipitous. Uh, Bree and I got to talking at a birthday party, and and did you know her from before, or did you just meet? No, I knew her in like a general sense of the term. I had met her, I think, probably in passing a couple times, but I didn't know her very well. Uh huh. I knew of her because she has built a name and a team that's very reputable. I see her signs around yeah. all the time. I've noticed more since you've been working with her. But um, yeah, Bree and Associates, right? Mm-hmm. See them all over the place. Yeah. It's like, oh, good. They're making some money. Yes. Um, that's the goal. <sighs> Sorry. You're fine. Um, so I met her at a birthday party and we got to talking and it was kind of like, you and I should should talk more. And I reached back out probably two or three days after we had that conversation and you know, I reintroduced myself and... Had you already known you wanted to do real estate specifically or are you just thinking you needed a new thing? I knew that I wanted to do real estate years prior, but it wasn't something that I ever thought was achievable because I had committed myself to medicine. Uh-huh. Um, so I was thinking like, oh, you know, a career change, like, and a kid, oh, you and had husband, that, and like, a... Oh, I don't want to throw more time down at, like, I've already invested this much. Uh, what's that? It's like a lost, something lost fallacy. I don't remember what it is, but... Um, yeah, it's basically like you already invested this much into yeah. sunk costs. It was sunk costs. I had invested so much time and money into my education mm-hmm. for medicine that it felt like I just felt like a failure. I was yeah. like, oh, God, you know, what's everyone going to think if I start all over and change a career and think something catastrophic happened? Exactly. Or what yeah. is she thinking? She couldn't hack it, you know. Um, Do you still worry about that? No. I don't give a fuck about that. No, I stopped worrying about that. Do you ever worry? I mean, you probably don't because you're, you're successful. But um, the thing that actually does worry me, because I think about changing jobs sometimes. And um, the idea of people thinking I failed and, mm-hmm. and started a new career is not scary to me. But the actual failing part is right. definitely scary to me. Like, well, what if it doesn't work out? Because things are okay now. I'm safe. Yeah. Like, what if it doesn't work out? Then, like, that's a big, yeah, it takes a big leap of faith to do that. Did How did you... Did you have trouble with uh, coming to terms with that at all? Um, yes. No, I'd be lying if I said no. It was a huge leap of faith, but it was it was like a crossroads. Mm-hmm. I was also, you know, a brand new mom, uh, a fairly new wife, and I was just kind of having this like, I need my own identity. I need something that's just for me that I feel good about, that I thrive at. Um, and when I met Bree and I started talking to her, it became 
so clear that it was way more than just like a career change. It mm -hmm. was a life change. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. The camera is sliding down. I just noticed. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. Start high and it can just slowly go down. Yeah. It's <laughs> insane how many things happen in here that I'm just like, oh, I wish I had somebody like working. No, I, there's so many moving parts, Jeff. It's, it's so impressive. I don't think anybody realizes how much goes into what you do. It, it makes it to where I'm way shittier of a host because the whole time I'm just like, all right, that's still going. That's been <laughs> over here. Everything, we'll check this one. All right, we're good. And wait, wait, what'd you say? But it's hard, but it's fun. I, I like it. It's, I don't know. I watched the, a documentary one time about musicians okay. and Jack White was talking about the way he performs. He, he'll sometimes like set a guitar when he has to switch guitars he'll set the guitar further away than he has to okay because then he knows he has to make it to that spot by that time in the song and he likes to add challenge to the music and i remember thinking at the time like how fucking dumb like that's so <laughs> dumb um just why not do it the most efficient way possible that doesn't make any sense to me yeah and now as an adult that where at this time, I was probably 20. I like had endless energy and motivation to do things that I thought were cool or fun. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, I'm 33. And for some reason, I have to actually motivate myself to do fun things. And I'm just like doing the podcast is actually difficult because it's socially difficult for me. And, it, and it's like, I, it takes an incredible amount of time and, and it's just like, unnecessary so i and i know that the whole time so i'm like i have to enjoy this somehow but i feel like i'm doing that jack white thing with the podcast because it's like i'm i know it's going to be challenging ahead of time but i could i could ask someone to come in here and, and you know adjust the lights for me and the cameras and stuff but i don't because i like the idea of when i look back on these someday i'll be able to listen through them and i'll and i'll know what was going on in the room and stuff because it was always the same yeah. it was always just like me trying to get everything in place while this person sits there and tries not to be too uncomfortable <laughs> um but yeah i don't know it's something about that i like and someday I'll have help, but for now it's it's all right. Well, yeah. I mean, everything you just said, it pairs with, I think, a ton of different jobs, real mm -hmm. estate. You've got a ton of different moving parts going on and nobody knows half of what's going on behind the scenes when they sign up for it. You do a lot of open houses, right? We do, honestly, no. Our no. market is not, it's not primed and ready for open houses. Like if you hold an open house in Astoria, even in Astoria where it's like a, a more condensed city, you've got these huge hills. So it's not great for walking distance unless oh, somebody yeah. lives around the corner. So people are driving there, which is fine. Like people will drive to open houses, but open houses thrive in big cities where you have on average, like six to seven open houses happening in a neighborhood every single weekend. And foot traffic and people and are around. And foot traffic and people around. We still hold them. And I do think they bring value, but they're not they're they're sometimes not as productive i think as most people are hoping yeah you end up blowing all your money on the cookie budget which yeah, <laughs> gotta have cookies gotta have drinks mm -hmm. do you do you really uh have to have cookies would you feel obligated no i would expect to see them i wouldn't buy a house without cookies at the open house really mm -mm. Oh. nope i'll take my business elsewhere for a cookie yeah well it's really not about the cookie hillary it's about the principle of the thing you know okay it's about going that extra mile well what if I told you I had something else, but I didn't have cookies? I'll take it. What do you got? <laughs> what if I had mimosas? 
Oh, that's uh, that'd be nice too. Okay, and that that to me that seems like you would be uh, given more of a private tour, like walk around the house, just maybe one couple at a time, mm -hmm. and they get the private show, so you don't have to, uh, you know, be in there with all the looky loos. Yeah, you don't want to deal with the looky loos. No, no. Well, that's I do way more private showings than I do open houses. Mm -hmm. I bet it's it's more intimate. You can answer questions. You don't feel like your attention's being pulled. Yeah. Do you own a house yourself? I do. How's that? You like being a homeowner? I do. I, I I kind of own a house. I guess you could say that. My wife had this house before we were married, so it, I don't know. feels like her house, <laughs> but we both own it. And uh, it feels so much better to be putting your money into something that's actually yours. Like yes. all the years I spent renting, really hated that. The feeling of paying rent is horrible. But the feeling of paying a mortgage is really not horrible. It doesn't feel like you're throwing your money away. It feels like you're giving your money to yourself, which is nice. It's We have core values on our team. Wealth building is one of them. Wealth building through real estate specifically, mm -hmm. because obviously that's what we do. Um, myself, along with four of my other colleagues, business partners, we also own investment properties. Oh, cool. Um, because it's something we're passionate about. You'd have to. You, you're seeing those go by all the time. How could you not scoop them up every once in a while? Yeah. I have the conversation with so many of my buyers on, okay, well, you rent, you know, when's your lease up? What's what's the plan? Like, why buying now? Sort of, you, you have that conversation, you mm -hmm. get to know them, you get to know their why, because without knowing their why, you can't help them to the best of your abilities. And it's when you're paying someone else's mortgage, it's throwing money away. You're not investing in your equity. You're not investing in your future at all. Yeah. And it's so hard because I know some people that are like, well, I could never afford a down payment. There are so many home loan programs that are 0% down. Really? That are 3% down. FHA loans have as little as 3% down. Are they hard to qualify for? Easier than a conventional loan. Hmm. What's yeah. FHA? Mm. Federal Housing Act? Federal Housing Authority? I can't remember. The Federal Housing Administration. Okay. Federal Housing Administration. Federal Housing Administration. And so they give, is that like an organization that exists through the federal government to provide access to loans? Yes, so it's a different loan, it's a different loan branch. Okay. Um, so lenders have all these different loan types. Mm -hmm. uh, VA loan for the veterans. Veterans. Yep. Um, FHA, which we just covered. USDA, I'm conventional. Listening. I'm still listening. I'm just looking. No, you're fine. I'm, I'm just going through all the different loans in my head. Um, so every, I mean, buyers can qualify for different kinds of loans, and it makes it so much more feasible for and people. And you walk who, them through that whole process. I get them connected with a local lender that walks them through that because loans that's are not my specialty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's not my specialty, and I won't pretend that it is. Um, but part of what is my specialty is cultivating relationships. And we've got great relationships with a ton of lenders in town. Um, and I get them connected with one of them. And do you try to like try to go for the local lenders or does that not make a difference? You just go for the cheapest rates? No, it makes a huge difference. So online, online lenders, Quicken Loans, um, you get connected with someone and they, you know, they can pre-approve you, sure. And they are a loan business. But having a local lender has so many advantages. Local lenders, I can call on Sunday mm -hmm. to get you pre-approved. Uh, I can call and actually have a conversation on like, where's the appraisal? Like, what's our timeline? What's holding us up? What do you mean underwriting won't approve X, Y, and Z? It's it's actually having that relationship as opposed to just passing the buck on to someone else. Having that 
that disconnect or trying to get a hold of someone to see what's stalling our process, like why we're going to miss our closing date, why the appraisal wasn't ordered two weeks ago, why underwriting kicked it back. It lets you have so much more power, so much more control and a much better experience for the buyer and the seller. And you work with the same bankers over and over again, so you kind of get to know them. Yeah. That's got to be nice. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I imagine if you're doing it through the internet, Quicken Loans or something, you're not going to get the same person ever. No. Um, and I've had so many clients that have come to me and they've said like, oh, we're pre-approved. I'm like, great. Who are you pre-approved with? And they're like, oh, we got pre-approved online last night with Quicken Loans. And I'm like, fantastic. You know, they run a credit check. They ask for your, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, your income documents and that's great. But then let's pivot. Yeah. Let's pivot. Can you use that information to bring it to the other lender to say like, look, they're already pre-approved here for this. What can you do? Yeah, we can ask. But I mean, as far as. I let them know, like, hey, they got pre-approved with Quicken Loans last night. I would love for them to work with a local lender. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't choose the local lender. I've got a list of people that we work with um, all around town. And it's honestly, it's up to the it's up to the the buyer to decide who they work with, who's got a competitive rate, who who they jive with best because mm-hmm. you want it to be good for them, too. Yeah, it makes a big difference. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And you're going to be dealing with them for a long time. For most people, it's the biggest purchase they will ever make in their entire lives. Oh, here's a question. And you probably could help me with this. I'm having an issue. So okay. we just refinanced our, our mortgage this last year. Okay. And I think it was January, maybe even later, February. And uh, they sold our mortgage right away, mm-hmm. like within a month. And then they sold it again a couple more times. Like they just keeps passing around. And so every time this happens, the, I, we get calls I get calls from people all the time saying, hey, I got information about your mortgage. Hey, your insurance is blah, 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 whatever. Scammers. I don't, I don't, anytime somebody, if they don't state the name of the company Mm -hmm. right away and tell me who the fuck you are, I just hang up on them. I don't have time for this. I am a busy man. I don't blame you. And so I've been hanging up on these lenders (laughs) and they actually are the people who I'm supposed to pay money to. And it's a pain in the ass. And I don't understand why, look, if you're going to buy somebody's mortgage, just hold on to it. Like what? <laughs> it's it's really confusing to be getting these random things from all. I feel like I should have been consulted. I don't want to work with these new people. I'm, I made a deal with you. Yeah. Like why? It doesn't make sense to me. It's frustrating, but yeah. it's all part of the process. Does that happen a lot? Yeah. Hmm. Why? Is it traded like a commodity? Just debt is a commodity? That's, that's one way to look at it. That's insane. What kind of a country is this? <laughs> You don't want to know that answer. That's insane. I know. It's terrible. There's more. There's way more crazy things than that. But um, It's frustrating, though. Our, my mortgage has been sold multiple times. Mm-hmm. You, you ever ghost your new mortgage lender on accident? No. Happens to me every time. I usually hear them out long enough to figure out who's calling me and why. I'm that, that sucker of a person that will get stuck on the phone with somebody who's trying to sell me something and not realize it until 10 minutes into the conversation. Don't you feel like a sucker though? A hundred percent. Don't you just feel, aren't you filled with rage? There's definitely some, some jagged days where I'm like, who are you and what do you want? Have they ever actually got you though? Have you ever been suckered on a scam on the phone or anywhere? Mm -mm. You've never been scammed once in your life. No. Really? I mean, not by somebody on the phone. Yeah. I have once, but I got my money back. I think I'm pretty sure I got my money back. On my birthday, I got scammed. Yeah. The nerve. Yeah. I was in a good mood and I and I heard him out. I did your strategy and I decided <laughs> to hear him out. And then he ended up having like $400 of my money. Oh, shit. And um, 
But I, I did get the money back. They, he sold me some trip to Vegas and I was going to like surprise my wife. And um, yeah, then I he promised me $1,000 like when I got off the plane. And even though over and over again, I'm like, this seems like you shouldn't be able to do this. I was going to say, at what point were your red flags going up? Well, like if yeah. somebody was like, hey, I want to sell you a trip to Vegas, I'm going to be like, hard pass. Well, we had already been talking about getting a trip to Vegas, like get a package. Okay. And he's like, okay, this is, it comes with airfare for two people. Um, a free stay in this hotel, casino money. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, yeah. And then they like, they tricked me basically. <laughs> it sounds stupid. It is stupid. Um, but I thought it, it was like in vouchers to that. It wasn't cash. It was in vouchers to that casino. But um, they had like all these restaurants and I was like, it'll be like cash. And so I I did it. And I sent, I, I paid him the 400 bucks. And then I was on the phone with the, contract person okay. at, after at the end of the like some chick and um she like read off all the perks that came with the, the package and i was like oh i didn't happen to hear a thousand dollars in vouchers to this uh resort and she's like oh yeah that will come later that comes and i'm like mm -mm, nope that's got to be part of the contract or i'm out and uh she's like oh well that's not how it works it was like a perk a bonus thing that he just and i was like i'm sorry i was expecting a thousand dollars cash vouchers and you're not giving it to me and for these reasons i'm out and I, they sent me my money back, but it took like weeks. It was terrible. Worst birthday ever. How long ago was that? Uh, probably five years ago. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah. I, to be fair, you were still in your 20s and you're a male. Your frontal yeah. lobe wasn't fully developed yet. I was definitely at least 25. So it was probably fully developed. Mine, mine right kind of stopped developing early. <laughs> so I, I think I'm not sure uh, if it'll ever be fully developed, but that's okay. It works well enough. <laughs> Yeah. We can just talk that up to a life learning lesson. Yeah, it, it certainly was. And I was, it just happened. It just happened. Things like this happen. But yeah. I haven't been scammed on the phone, but I've definitely made decisions where I'm like, that's. Yeah. You you don't probably engage in a lot of risky behaviors, do you? <laughs> um, not anymore. That's good. That's good. That's, that's about best case scenario. Because, yeah, there's only really three scenarios either yes i do not anymore or no never did not anymore is probably the wise one not anymore yeah i had i had my 20s they were great then on to my 30s yeah what was the greatest part of them the memories the knowing that i i don't regret not doing it doing what <laughs> um making reckless decisions what kind? Tell oh, me about God. some of those. Oh, decisions. God. <laughs> um, You've heard a lot of my embarrassing stories. I, I'm just trying to, to think about what is appropriate and what will not get me in trouble. Yeah, don't, don't hurt your business. Um, but uh, yeah, 20s are adventurous times. They're supposed to be. The 20s are, are adventurous. I living in, living in Santa Monica with my best friend. Um, you know, we would go out, we'd go dancing. I love dancing. We'd have some cocktails. Southern California is so nice. So fun. It was, you know, 70 degrees at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, and we would get invited to, to house parties. We didn't know the people at all, nor did we know where their house was. But we would go. Just hop in a car. Yep. Yeah, I don't think it's normal to just hop in a car with strangers anymore. Other than Uber, which I guess is completely a stranger. Completely a stranger, but... Uh, it seems different. Hindsight, 
you know, looking back, you're like, oh, you know, jumped in some random guy's car. To go from one party to the next. Not knowing who he was or where we were going. Yeah. At all the destination. Just had Seemed my best cool. friend and we were like, all right, let's. Let's do it. Let's let's go. Why not? Let's Roll throw the dice. caution to the wind. Yeah. Um. There were a couple scenarios that. Did you ever have any near-death experiences? No. Never. That's good. I, I was bet you have and you enough. didn't even know. Oh, I guarantee I probably Probably when did. you were jogging and those lurkers were chasing you, you had no idea. <laughs> I would jog on what's called the bluffs in Westchester. Um, and I guarantee I've read I've read stories of, you know, women getting attacked and raped. and Yeah, no good. And I'm like, oh, that could have been me. Yeah, that scares me thinking about that just because I have daughters yeah. and they're always wanting to go out and be on their own. I even... The four-year-old, she's, oh my God, the other day we were walking down the trail. Have you ever walked the trail like from the parking lot along the highway in Iwako out to the North Head Lighthouse? Hmm. There's a section where there's a there's a Beards Hollow parking lot that's down low and it goes out to the beach. And then you can walk a paved trail that like is kind of a boardwalk. Okay. It goes up the road a little bit and then it goes up the another road up to North Head Lighthouse. I think I went there a very long time ago with a ex-boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Well, there's this spot where the trail crosses the highway and it's on a curve. So the cars can't see well. And my daughter, Amelia, just bolted up the hill and I was walking the dog. And then my wife was walking just in front of me and Amelia was probably 30 feet ahead of us. And then there's another 50 feet and then the opening in the fence and the highway. And Amelia was like, can I run ahead a little bit? And we're like, all right, but stop at that yellow sign with the stop sign on it because there's like a a, a pre-stop sign. So okay. it's like, a, hey, there's a stop sign ahead. She didn't know that we were talking about that sign. She thought we meant the actual stop sign. So she kept running past that yellow sign. And um, then coincidentally, the dog started taking a shit right at that moment, right in the middle of the paved trail. Right. And it was a weird looking shit. So I was like, <laughs> oh my God, Melissa, look at this shit. And... <clears throat> Um, it was one of those shits that looks like three shits kind of cobblestoned together. Okay, yeah. Uh, like she hadn't been doing it enough. She was constipated. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, But the color difference was so stark, like contrast, just crazy contrast, that it was a bizarre looking shit. And I wanted to share that with my wife. And so uh, I called her back. I says, Melissa, come back and um, look at this this poop. And she did. And then... Just like right at that moment, I realized, oh no, what if Amelia didn't stop? And I turned around just to see her start running down the side of the highway. And I, we both just like screamed and uh, started chasing her. And she turned around uh, immediately and like started bawling and running back. Like right. she knew that she had messed up and um, it was all fine. But that moment where you're just like, I just made a fatal error like something small like just trying to look at an an extraordinary poop and then you could do something like lose a child life can change so quick it's terrifying yeah but yeah they're both very independent my daughters they like to run off and be on their own it sucks i have to constantly be the bad guy like no i don't want you to walk to the store by yourself i don't care if it i just don't care That you really want to. It's like, it's not worth it to me. And I do get it because autonomy has always been extremely important to me. Like, I do not like being told what to do. Uh, 
unless it's like under a organizational structure that I like, but just random bossiness, mm -mm, not my thing. (laughs) And so I get it, but I can't, I can't abide. I can't let like my 11 year old who's almost, well, she'll be 12 in December. She's as tall as my wife and she's very independent, but I could easily throw her into the back of a van and speed off if I, I mean, it wouldn't be hard at all. Like, I don't, I don't care what, what she thinks. Like, I, I, and I'm not even an exceptionally strong man. There's men much stronger than me with much worse intentions. So yeah, it's not okay with me for her to just go off on her own. When she's with her brother, it's one thing because right. he can like scream. He's, he's all, he's much more uh, afraid of, he's aware of threats. She's, she's like not thinking about it. Not that she's oblivious, but she's just not thinking about that. Um, I think she's naive about the world. Do you think that's a boy versus girl thing? No, I don't. I don't. I think it's a. I think it's a personality thing on their part. Because my sister was, we used to call her safety girl. She was. She's a year, two years older than me, and um, I was like Elsa, very much not thinking about the threats all the time. I was more of thinking just random stuff, but not that. Uh, so it's. I think it's a personality thing. People who just like are prone to see ways that things can go wrong. It's hard. I mean, being a person who's not like that, it can wear on you being around people like that all the time. Because it eventually you're just like, can you please, please look at something positively? <laughs> like, if it just constantly feels like the world is a terrible place. Yeah, I am um, <laughs> familiar with that scenario. Well, how's your outlook overall? Your worldview. Uh, it's changed over the years, but I have been called naive more times than I can count because I choose to see the best in people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be one of my fatal flaws. It might be the thing that eventually kills me. <laughs> it could be, but I, you wouldn't be the same person without it. It's it's definitely the kind of a personality trait that shapes your interactions. I have definitely had to, to curb my views of working in the hospital and um, my spouse, but I, I still... I. You know, I see someone and they could be a horrible human being or be an asshole or, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe they're having a bad day. <laughs> I yeah. want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think that's good. Um, and it's... Because it's true. Overall, I think it does me well in life because I, I try really hard not to be a jaded person, especially given everything that's happened in our world. You know, it's yeah. it's hard not to be jaded, hard not to think the world is out to get you or that the world's collapsing around us or... It might be. It might be, but... It's not going to help you to wallow in it. It's also, I think, benefited me raising a smile child. I don't want to raise him to hate the world. Yeah. I want to raise him to be like, this place is awesome. We live in a beautiful place. Because we do. Both both things are true. Because we do. The world like, is, has a lot going on. It's not all bad. It's not all good. Yeah. But it's there, extremes. It's there both. are dangers. And I, you know, we teach him about the dangers and we have conversations of like, okay, you know, you got to be careful and look both ways when we cross the road and hold hands because mm-hmm. people aren't just going to stop. Like nobody's just going to stop for you in this world. Um, no. The ones, I mean, most people really will at when it comes right down to it be, because they don't want to hit a person, but they, it's the ones who don't see you that I'm most worried about. Yeah. How, I mean, how often do you see somebody on their phone driving? Every day, a all lot, day, every day. A lot. Especially if you have, if you're for some reason sitting by a highway or like on an overpass or something, and you can look into a lot of different cars huge proportion of those people are on their phones like almost half it's really crazy it's it's really crazy it's been a while since i actually took the time to do that but it is amazing to see how many people are actually driving and 
not wrecking, but not looking at the road. It's scary. No, well, everyone's attention is, um, it's 10 different places. Nobody's ever yeah. focused on just driving. No, no. I actually drive specifically for that reason. So like, I have this theory about ADHD. So ADHD, even though it's kind of, try to pass, they try to pass it off as a attentional deficit, it's not an attentional deficit as much as it's an attentional regulation deficit. So like you, you, it's a deficit in the ability to control where your attention is and how long it stays there. Uh, so it's based on stimulation, So and which is mainly dopamine driven. So activities that produce a lot of dopamine are gonna be more desirable for a person with ADHD, but Dopamine is not just involved in feelings of pleasure or feelings of like being on the right track, feelings of reward. It's also associated with movement, like physical movement. Mm -hmm. So if you're if you're moving forward, especially forward motion. So and and that actually goes right along with the kind of the experiential part of it being associated with pursuing reward because you're moving forward, you're moving towards a, a goal, you're moving from one place to another. Uh, but I have this theory that you have a certain threshold. Everybody does. It's different on everybody. But you have to meet a certain threshold of dopamine activation to initiate movement. And uh, one of the really big problems with ADHD is uh, executive dysfunction and failure to initiate tasks. Task initiation is, is something that people with ADHD really struggle with. So I, I have this idea that um, that's the reason walking or for me driving is very stimulating for mental activity. So, or like okay. a lot of people, a shower even works where you're like, you're doing something else and that allows you to, like a lot of people I've heard attribute it to, it like is enough to distract you. So you don't, I don't, I don't know something about distraction, but what I really think is going on is that you're physically doing this movement. You're, you're expressing this behavior, which is going to create that feedback loop in your neurotransmitter systems and it's going to start you'll start producing more dopamine to accommodate that behavior so the that motor pattern is going to need more dopamine so you make it and then once you're up to that threshold then your brain turns on and like regular functions start happening your executive dysfunction goes away because you're you're at that threshold almost like um a a tire when you're filling up a tire it's completely empty and you sit there and so the wheel is on the ground and you hook it up to the air, hit the air and it starts filling up and you can hear the air going in. You can feel the air going into the tire, but the car stays on the ground for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And it takes until that tire is all the way around. It's filled with enough air to create a high enough pressure to lift that vehicle off the ground, which is thousands of pounds. So it takes a lot of air to be able to do that, to compress the air to that level. And I think it's like that with dopamine. Like you have to fill that tire enough to lift it off the ground before it will move. Otherwise you're just stuck. Yeah. I sometimes worry that like if my job changed to where I didn't have to drive an hour to my office and an hour back every day, like I used to hate that. When, the, when I first started, it was like, it felt like a huge chore, but over the 10 years I've been doing it, now I like rely on it. I My brain knows that is my processing time. So. I'm like excited about it every day. I, I'm that's a time when I a lot of times I'll put on my podcast and screen it and just take notes in my phone with a voice recorder okay. uh, to make edits and add stuff later. Smart. But it's I always feel like my brain works so well during those hours because really that's the only time when it works 
at peak is like when I'm driving and able and able to just fully detach from uh, that feeling of wanting of like needing to move. I, when I'm working in here, I hate it. I I can't. I don't enjoy it. It's very hard for me. It feels like torture. Um, and there's like, there's no, and it's very distracting in here. There's lots of stuff to look at. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to look at. I mean, we got colored lights and flashy stuff and um, I still get bored. I'm just, I need, I need movement. I need stuff okay. to be happening. Uh, and then my brain just turns on. So like, I'll sit in here for hours and accomplish nothing because and I, I just feel brain dead. Like, I feel like my brain doesn't work until I'm moving. And then, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm coming up with all kinds of ideas. Oh, I have thousands of notes in my phone of just little things I've written, things I thought were funny or I don't know, all kinds of stuff. I'd say 90% of it was written while driving. Okay. What if you did a walking podcast? I've thought about that. Okay. I like walking. I love yeah. walking actually. That would be cool. And it does the same exact thing. It creates the same effect. It's a lot harder to carry multiple drinks uh, when you're driving, you got the two cup holders mm -hmm. and then, you know, I have a, a thing for my phone. I have a, a microphone that hangs down from my visor. Um, it is like, I'm set up. I love gear. Okay. I love setting up gear. And that is, uh, I think that's definitely part of it. I don't, I don't love the camera part. I hate it actually. Um, but it's like a must, I have to do it to make the podcast successful. So I'll do it, but. You want to know a secret? Hmm. I don't love the camera part either. Really? I have to do it for my job. Mm -hmm. It's social media is huge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've we've heard it from influencers, but also influencers, but also some of the top producing real estate brokers in the United States is being front of mind as being front of face. Yeah. So you're going to trust the person if you can see them, if you can yeah. hear their voice, if you can see their body language and not like edited, not some, you know, pre-recorded, this excluded, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah voiceover they're funny they're hilarious but just having a conversation with someone just talking to them or just hearing like hey guys just jumping on you know like <laughs> i'm trying to remodel my own house and it's a shit show oh do you um, are you posting stuff about your own remodel i post stuff about my own life i post stuff about my son i post stuff about i try and get on there and be authentic it's mm. hard because it really hard you're terrified of the judgment Yes. And it's not even the judgment of people thinking your content is bad. No. It's the judgment of people thinking like, why does he think I want to see him? Oh, it's for sure. Just like, what is she doing? Yeah. I'm like, well, this is just every day. This yeah. is just, you want to see what I look like at 8 a.m. when I'm trying to juggle getting a kid out the door, getting ready, answering an email. And oh God, I don't know, possibly trying to get myself ready for work. Yeah. Like it's, it's not pretty. It's a shit show. Yeah. When I'm looking at other people's social media, that cringy feeling that I'm worried about giving other people, mm -hmm. which whatever, I don't even care really. Um, sorry if you get cringy from me, but <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, I don't feel that from people that I don't know. Yeah. Like when I, when I see strangers online and it's somebody from LA or something doing, I, I don't feel that at all, no matter what they're doing. Yeah. They're just an internet face. But when it's somebody I know from real life and they are trying to do some internet trend or whatever, mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, I feel it. And I don't know why. It's hard. And so, and it's just, I do know why actually it's projection because I feel it most significantly when it's a video of myself. <laughs> and I, and it, it's just a little shred of that because the people in my actual life are connected to me 
even however peripherally, more so than the people on the internet who I've never seen or will never see or interact with. Well, it's easy to, it would be really easy to put yourself out there if you were showing the world, people you'll never meet, people you don't know, people you don't give a fuck what their opinion is. Sure, I'll get on and show up for them. That's easy. Yeah. That part's easy. When it's somebody whose opinion you care about, when it's somebody that you love and you're like, oh yeah, please, please don't think I'm stupid. Please yeah. don't judge my outfit or what I look like today. It's a lot harder. Yeah. It's a lot harder because... I mean, I don't at least harshly judge other people for the things that I don't want to be judged for. Well, ever. Not consciously. Not consciously, that's true. Well, actually, you know, that's probably untrue because that's that's a main thing. When you find yourself really feeling contempt for people, examine yourself and be like, do I just hate this in myself? Mm -hmm. And Because a lot of times it is that. And yeah. even if it's something you're repressing and you don't want to acknowledge it, or it's maybe it's somebody, somebody at one point told you, don't do that or don't let that out. And so you internalize that and now they're breaking the rules. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot. That does happen a lot. How do you not shame your kid when you're disciplining? How do you how do you teach them that that they what they may be doing is wrong, but that doesn't make them bad? Mm. Parenting is hard. <laughs> For real. Um, with love and grace. I'm personally, it's I have a conversation. Uh, if my son does something that I'm not okay with, that's not part of our house structure. Um, we sit down and I'm like, buddy, that's that's not okay to do. Like that, I try and tell him like that hurt mommy. Like he hit me last night. We were having just a total meltdown. It was the end of the day. We were both exhausted. Um, and it was bedtime and I was at the end of my day. I wanted I wanted the day to be over very badly and he wanted the day to be over, but we still had to get through bath and we still had to get through bedtime. And it was just meltdown city. And he whapped me across the face. Ooh. Oh yeah. Not were you making eye contact? Oh yeah. Oh, so he knew exactly. What he, he was knew. Doing. I mean, it That's was not good. Like just right across the face, and I. You managed not to slap him back. Huh? Oh, hundred percent. I just way to go. <laughs> I set him down. Uh huh. And I just walked away for a minute, and then I came back, and I, you know, and he's just screaming this whole time. It was it was a rough night. It didn't work. It didn't give him catharsis. He didn't re <laughs> relax after that. <laughs> I just, I set him down and I had to walk away. And then I came back after I had, you know, taken 10 deep breaths. And I said, bud, that's, I said, we don't hit in this family. I said, hitting is never okay. So we don't hit people. I said, I don't care if you're angry. I don't care if you're frustrated. You know, I said, I understand. I said, it is really easy to want to hit someone, mm -hmm. but hitting's not okay. I said, that hurt mommy. Yeah. Like your actions hurt me. And he, he eventually calmed down. We worked our way through it and he, you know, he, he touches my face and goes, sorry, mama. Yeah. Um, Do you ever threaten to call the cops? <laughs> it works. I, I want to. <laughs> it doesn't work in our house. Like, that's assault, brother. Dad, oh, yeah, he's dad, not afraid of cops. He's not afraid of cops. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it. Uh, he eventually gets there. And then, you know, at the end of at the end of any discipline, I'm like, I love you unconditionally. Like, my love is not conditional. Your big feelings, they don't scare me. Like, have them. Have your big feelings. I said, I know you're working through something. They don't scare me. Like, it takes a lot more than that to scare me. Yeah, they shouldn't be scary. No. Little kids are going to have those. But big feelings are scary to a lot of people. Well, that's because of resonance. Like, if you're not careful, mm -hmm. you'll resonate with whatever's happening around you. So if you're a parent, and especially a parent who's very connected to a child mm -hmm. emotionally, 
when that energy is coming out of the kid, it's going to resonate. And if you match it, it's going to accentuate it. It's not going to take it down. You have to bring in a stronger, more calm energy. You have to be the CEO of your household. A very wise woman told me that one time, and I've never forgotten it. That's true. What do you mean by that? Could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, you have to be the calm CEO of your household. My best friend told me that, um, and it resonated with me years ago. She's like, you... You run your household. You have to be the calming force. You have to be the calming light. It doesn't matter if everything else is spinning out of control. You have to come in and be calm, cool, and collected because that's like you can't yell you at someone it. if they're yelling this. back at you. Like you made this situation. You have to. Yeah. Exactly. You can't yell at someone if they're yelling back at you. Like it's just, you're not going to solve anything. So you come yeah. in, you know, you can be upset. You can be frustrated. I was pissed and I was so frustrated. And believe you me, I wanted to just. Yeah. But that's not the answer. No. The and answer isn't. All that would do is teach him the wrong lesson. A hundred percent. Or scare him, break Both, his trust probably. that he has in me. Yeah. Like he needs to trust me more than any person in this world. Well, yeah. and his dad. But it's, if I yell at mom, like we're going to make it through. If I hit mom, like we're going to make it through. Like, no, it's not okay. And I don't reward like, or like be like, oh, okay. Like it's fine. You were acting out. Like that's never the answer in yeah. my household anyway. But I'm going to love you no matter what. Yeah. Like your big feelings don't scare me. Yeah. It's not okay to hit. That being said. Do you think you'll have more kids? No. Y'all done? Yeah. Well, then you won't have to deal with the issue of them hitting each other. Because that comes up. I I was raised with two sisters. Yeah. Did you Uh guys fight? Uh, yeah, we did. We more when we were older, I think. I don't remember. So more, uh, a ton when we were younger. More likely. Oh, very verbal. Yeah. I don't think there was, and I mean, it's girls. We, we definitely attack more verbal than physical in yeah, my experience. For sure. It's, it's the petty shit. Yeah. Um, they're, they're my best friends now, but when we were younger, there was definitely the ages of the teenage, the teenage rivalry. It's so, it's unavoidable. Ugly. The sibling stuff is unavoidable. I, I really thought I was going to be, I would have an easier job as a parent to, to keep it keep the peace Mm -hmm. because I've have a ton of regret about all the strife from my childhood with my siblings. I was a dick a lot of the time. Just, I was, I would take out any kind of negative feelings I had on my brother basically. And he didn't deserve that. It made his life way worse. And then, I mean, luckily once we grew up, we became very close, but I, I still have guilt over it now. And it's been a long time, but so I try to tell my kids, I'm like, you guys just, you don't understand how special your siblings really are. Right. Like you, this is one of the most important relationships, if not the most important relationship you'll ever have. Yeah. So you guys, you really need to value each other. But it, it doesn't matter. They don't see it. They'll never see it until it's until it's until they have to. I was gonna say, like, and that's the hard thing is like you can. I remember my parents. I have amazing parents. I love them so much, and they are smart and they are strong, and they've helped shape the human that I am today. Cannot give them enough credit. I don't know how they did it. (laughs) Um, It's not easy. Oh God, hardest job I've ever had. But I remember my mom telling me like, you know, life lessons and value your siblings and it goes right over your head until you are at a place that you are ready for that lesson. I honestly think that we can try and teach our kids lessons and obviously shaping them when they're young is one thing, but when they get to the the age where they can decide what they want to listen to and what they don't want to listen to, you can tell them something until you're blue in the face, but they're not going to hear it until they're ready. No, no, they won't. And even then, like I try to start, I try to release the, uh, the desire to have them understand or relate to or anything in the moment, because a lot of the stuff that my parents 
taught me came much later where like I would think back to something they had said after having life experiences that gave it context and then be like, oh, okay, that's yeah. what they meant by that. And that's that's how this advice really works. And this is where it falls short. And like, you kind of can, can integrate that information into your worldview and the way you see things. And it comes later. It's not gonna happen in the moment because that's just not the world they're living in. Yeah, I think very few things happen in the moment, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. We want them to. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting too because that's the only thing we ever really ever experience is the moment. It's just one long moment. Yeah. And yet we cannot fully appreciate it in the moment. We always appreciate things in retrospect or not as much as we do in like in anticipation. Like the the, the times I appreciate things the very most are when they're about to happen. <laughs> like yeah. that's when I get the most joy out of things. Well, anticipation. That's yeah. that's been a study. Being an, having so setting something on your calendar, setting a goal, that anticipation, mm -hmm. I have personally found as well as there have been studies done is you have more excitement and more joy knowing that something is going to happen, knowing mm -hmm. that that anticipation is there, than actually like it's true. Than having that thing happen, like when it finally comes to the peak and you're like, oh, okay, that happened and now it's over. Well, because there's a, I mean, if you just want to make it about neurotransmitters yeah it's the dopamine dopamine is that anticipatory chemical and leading up to the thing and then once the thing happens you have a drop in dopamine yeah. that go it goes below baseline before it comes back up with the rebound and you get a, a russian serotonin which is like the everything's good mm -hmm. um, because you accomplished your goal right. but that's not as exciting it doesn't feel as happy right. a, as as uh, you're on the right track feeling well but, dopamine is a special drug it really is it's it's much needed mm -hmm. um okay so i've got some questions that i can use for pretty much anybody all right what activities <laughs> make you feel like you lose track of time get you in a flow state running you're a runner i will use that term loosely these days um, but running has always been something that I've loved to do. I was a runner when I lived in Los Angeles. I was not a runner in high school. I played softball in high school. Mm -hmm. Short distances were my thing. Softball's fun. Softball's amazing. Um, and baseball on that note. But yeah, uh, that's what I, I mean. Yeah. Same sport. Same sport. Bigger ball. Yeah. I started running when I lived in Los Angeles to get away from my problems. And I just kept running and running and running. And then it became my outlet. But somewhere along those lines, it became healing. It it became less of an escape and more of a, a healing thing. It became more of a positive thing. Kind of therapeutic. Very therapeutic. It's where I can, well, one of two things. Now that I'm in a healthier place in life, um, I can actually think through my thoughts before it was where I went to shut off my thoughts. Oh, yeah. Because everything would just go go quiet, which is all I wanted. I just wanted everything quiet. But now it's where I can where I can think things through, where I can like see see the problem work through what the solution needs to be. And by the time I'm done with my run, things feel very calm. Mm -hmm. And like I have figured out the solution or if I haven't figured out the solution, I'm probably still running. Yeah. And I'll lose track of time. If I had endless amount of time, I would probably run a lot more than I do still. Mm -hmm. um, I've started biking recently, just a at-home stationary bike. Oh, you get the Peloton? I did. Oh, you do Peloton. I do Peloton. That's a very exclusive club. <laughs> You're fancy. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not fancy. Um, do you do the live classes? I've never done a live class. They always happen really early in the morning. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that kind of stuff. It's, I. They're all recorded. 
Yeah. I do like being able to get on and have somebody tell me what to do. Have you played the game? Uh, once. Lane break? Once. That's what I do. Okay. I think it's fun. I've done it once. I get on. There's one instructor. Her name is Kendall Tool. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar. She's a knockout, first of all. <laughs> um, but she she's is. just, she's phenomenal. She's I love her hair blonde. Yeah. 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 yeah, she's good. Um, she's she's my she's my people. <laughs> yeah, it's cool though. It really does build like a community around fitness mm-hmm. that didn't exist before. Um, their stock is doing terrible, but the the company's cool. We bought we bought some Peloton stock right after we bought our Peloton. Okay, just <laughs> for the hell of it, because Melissa really likes the company. Yeah, and it was right before their treadmill started killing kids. And uh, things went down from there. I have a treadmill. Oh, really? The (laughs) old one? No, the new one. Good. Um, I've heard the new one's great. The new one's fantastic. Like barely ever kills kids. Great. That's fantastic news. But yeah, that first one sounded rough. Uh, So running, running I do to escape. Um, Honestly, that's my only real Do you listen to country music? I, yeah, I don't, I don't discriminate on music. I do everything from... Alice in Chains, you know, Lamb of God to What do you what do you put on when you put on music? Like do you go to a, a random like a Pandora random thing or do you have a set do you listen to full albums? How do you listen to music? Mm, I have a lot of mixes that have been cultivated over the years. And things as I find songs, whether it's on a mix or at the gym or on the radio or Soundhound, it doesn't matter where I find the song, it literally just goes onto like a big master playlist. Okay. And the playlist is like 13 hours long. So I can just like skip through it and find the song I want or whatever comes on, whether it be something a little bit harsher or country or EDM or pop or, you know. What what service do you use? Apple Music. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't gotten into Apple Music. I've got Spotify. I was in too deep by the time that Apple Music was invented. I don't even understand. What's the difference between Apple Music and iTunes? Oh, God. Uh, So iTunes, I think, was like the original, the OG of how Apple had their music set up. And you had to buy every single song. Like, do you remember having to like, you download your CDs onto your computers that you had all your music? Yeah. Um, You'd like swap CDs with friends to like get the biggest, you know. um, And then, you know, CDs kind of went away. But you you could rip rip your CDs into the thing, though. So you you could steal music with it. You could steal music with it. They got smart and then basically every album that um, people make, so like, I don't know, any album. Now you can just go on and you can just type in like uh, Keith Bryan. Keith Bryan? Any of the Keith, um, probably. Any, any of them. Um, Taylor Swift, you know, you go on and there's her new album. Or Lady Gaga, her new Chromomatic album. You go on and you're like, oh, okay, just like add to library. And you can just stream it or download it? You can stream it or download it so that it's on your phone permanently. But you pay yearly for the subscription to Apple Music to have access to all of the music. Okay, yeah. So there's no more like buying individual songs. Yeah. But I have all the music that I could ever want for 24 bucks a year. That's not bad. Yeah, I think Spotify's 10 bucks a month. I never got into Spotify. Um, and then by the time, like you said, it's like you, you know, you choose your one lane. That's a way and then better you're deal. In. I love it. I should switch. <laughs> also, I, I'm not gonna. I would have a long time ago if I was going to. <laughs> well, because I had a free year trials of the Apple Music and I was just like, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I like Spotify. I've been with Spotify since like 2012. That's a commitment. Yeah, it went by so fast. The last decade has gone by insanely fast. I agree with that statement. Like when I look at my email, I'm like, 
I feel like I had the email before this forever. And I had it like all through college and stuff. It was like the email I had forever. And then now I've had the one I have now for like 12, 13 years. And I still feel like this is the new one. Like it's terrible. I, I, I just don't want to get old. It's going to happen. Time just keeps bad. marching on. It's not bad. Yeah, but it, it's then it's going to be over, and I either I got to start all over again or go to hell, or I don't know what happens. But you well, never save you a seat. It's, it's I like lakefront. I just want to keep doing this. I like this place. <laughs> it's pretty good. Are you religious? Uh, I'm. I mean, yes, yes, and no. I'm more spiritual, religious. I think it's getting pretty hard to be regular religious. I think that there's a lots of answers. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think there's just one one God. I yeah. think there's a lot of them. I think they're, I kind of think that they're all, uh, it doesn't matter. The distinction, the, mm-hmm. the lines that we draw don't matter because they're not really there. It's kind of similar to where like we're sitting in this room, the molecules of the air that are up against our skin, they're, there's no separation between where they stop and the chemicals that make up our physical bodies begin. Like there's no actual separation. Okay. Because if you look at one specific, one, one single cell, or, or not a cell, but a molecule out of the air, or a cell out of your a cell out of the air, but a molecule out of your body. There's empty space inside that. Mm-hmm. So that empty space is just continuing. It's a continuation of the space that's everywhere. So okay. there's no separation. So to me, the God distinction is is almost only relevant in this space time. Like, so you say it might not be relevant, and you say you know there's no distinction, but you believe in hell. No, I really don't. Okay. I really don't. I think hell is going to be, um, I, I think that c- consciousness is fundamental to reality. Mm-hmm. So a consciousness being a, an observer, a point of observation, something to have an experience. So for hell to exist as a physical place where all different consciousnesses people go to, uh, I think that the chances of that are just so small that it's not worth discussing. There, there. For that to be true, there would have to be a physical place that could be accessed by humans, and it'd have to be within space time. So that's we would find it. I mean, it would be somewhere. There's just not. There isn't. We still could find it. You never know. It's possible. It's do you not. Believe impossible. there's other beings beyond us out there. Yeah, I do. I do believe in interdimensional beings and things like that. So um, maybe it's an interdimensional thing, but. It just doesn't make practical sense also in the whole system. It doesn't, there's no purpose. Like there, it doesn't serve a a purpose to me other than to instill fear and to control people. And fear-based structures and fear-based systems that that you can claim ownership to are manipulative inherently. That's, That's the sad truth. So I don't think hell, to me, I think hell would just be separation. It'd be the exact opposite of the oneness, like that all-encompassing oneness, that knowledge that we are all one thing mm-hmm. and that, that all of experience is within. That's a good feeling. That's a really good feeling. And I think that's probably what heaven is, is just that, that knowledge that everything's okay and that your individual consciousness is not really even important. And it's different than, your ego is different than yourself and all this stuff. We, we know this inherently and it's, we forget but I think that that would be heaven is is to just to know that all the time and to kind of have access to all 
experiences simultaneously. And I think hell would be the exact opposite of that, which would be to have access to no experiences and to know nothing but the feeling of separation. That's what I think. I like it. What do you think? I don't know. I have a hard time putting those thoughts into words. Why do you think it is that, that people do struggle so much to talk about that stuff? Because I get it, exactly. I Fear. get the I get the the strangest reactions from people when I try to talk about it. And I've always talked about it because I grew up in it. I was immersed in it and in a world that you're not really supposed to challenge things, mm -hmm. but I don't have a kind of brain that doesn't challenge things. I want to know how stuff works. Yeah. And if, you know, if I can't figure out how it works, I don't want to be in it. I don't want it. Um, so I've always asked questions, but I, I've always ran up against resistance. And I think it's really hard for people to try and explain and take apart something that they don't understand. Yeah. Cause you have, I've found that a lot of people have like one of two ways of really looking at it. Either you believe it because it's how you were raised and you're told this is God. If you don't obey God, you're going to go to hell. God created all. We abide by this. This is a sin. You know, if you sin, you're going to hell. Yeah. And you're raised in that structure. And then as you grow and you evolve and you get your own mind and you start to understand what you believe, it might be, well, I believe there's something greater out there. I do. I, I have to believe for myself. That's I believe there's something greater out there. When I pray, I pray to God. I pray to the universe. I pray to something that's greater than myself because I'm not um, egotistical enough to believe that the world revolves around me, that mm -hmm. like it's it's not all me. There's something else greater going on here. I choose my actions. I choose what I do. But there is something greater going on. Call it karma. Call it like, the universe. You know, call it whatever you want. There's something greater. Mm -hmm. Um. And whether that's just putting it out into the universe, putting out good good energy, good vibes, call it whatever you want. Everybody has a different opinion and that's amazing. It's you gotta put that energy out. You gotta be grateful for, like grateful for the day. My son and I say what we're grateful for every night before bed. And it's not- That's very powerful. It's not so much as like, dear God, thank you so much for this day. It's, hey buddy, you know, let's say our nighttime, you know, grateful thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I, I asked him like, what are you grateful for today? And two nights ago he goes, mama and dada. And I'm like, oh shit, I did something right. <laughs> yeah. That feels good. <laughs> like all the things he could choose. Like one night he was grateful for his trucks, but you're putting it out there and you're saying what you're grateful for. Cause there's something bigger than us. Yeah. It doesn't even matter what the thing is. Like we used to do that quite a bit, but we've kind of dropped off lately, but yeah, it's the act of putting yourself in a place of gratitude mm -hmm. is, is what's really profound because then you're you're already there when you start or finish your day like yeah it's it's a very good habit to get into i want to get back into that i haven't done that for a while you should it's amazing i love ending the day that way with him because i feel like it's if it's one practice that i can instill at a young age it's like thinking about what you're grateful for during the day yeah then you're not going to wake up and be pissed off at the world yeah you're going to wake up feeling grateful yeah and you're going to go to bed remembering what you're grateful for like that will be your last thought when do you think you them. learned that the gratitude benefits. Not long ago, honestly. I feel like I was definitely an adult. I was I was not a kid. Um, three to five years ago, trying to be more grateful for for what's around me, for what I had. Mm -hmm. um, the amount it affects your mental health is so crazy. It's it's, huge. it's similar to the way it feels when 
uh, you're like somebody who's never drank much water and then you get hydrated for the first time. Yeah. Or somebody who can't sleep and then you you get really good sleep for the first time. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, people feel like this all the time. This is a whole new world. Well, and, it, and it really just does come from how you frame your life. It's how you, how you see yourself in the big picture and wh- why it's easy to feel grateful for stuff. I think that part of uh, being a kid, you're a lot of times you feel like you don't have a lot of control. And so one thing you do have control over is feeling resentful. And if you, if you feel resentful of people or if you look for ways that things could go bad for you or things have been going bad for you, which is natural, everybody does it naturally, you, you feel like you have some level of control. And then you just get in that habit and you enter adulthood and that kind of behavior is so detrimental to your happiness. Just, but you're already in the habit of it and it takes a while to learn like, oh, if I just, instead of looking at all the ways that this could be better, I just look at one small way that it's good, it makes a huge difference. And then that's, yeah, it really has an impact. Okay, question for you then. As a kid, um, do you think that's nature versus nurture? Ooh. Because if you're a kid, and I mean, I'm raising my son and he doesn't, it to me, he doesn't wake up feeling resentful. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that might be something that's learned versus just you don't know what your emotions are. You don't know what to feel. So you inherently feel regretful or resentful to everything that you can't explain. That's that's teaching to yeah. me anyway. That's that's teaching like you don't have to feel regret. Like if you feel your big emotions, that's great. Feel your big emotions. Let's talk about them. Are you frustrated? Mm-hmm. Like, tell me you can be frustrated. Have you ever like come up against the time when he's like attached to his negative emotions where it's like. He does. He's not looking for ways to mm-hmm. to fix it. He's like, this is this is reality right now. I'm angry. I'm justified. This is why. And um, when you come at with come at it with like, well, let's break this down a little bit. Let's mm-hmm. let's get to the bottom. It's just like, no. How about you shut up? And it's like, and I mean, in in essence, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. Like you get you get the picture. It feels like a righteous a righteous form of negative emotions where they they want to have it. Like they feel entitled to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't have that because I have recognized a long time ago that I don't want to have negative emotions. It's not something that's fun or enjoyable to me. And so I'll, as quickly as possible, once I recognize them, mm-hmm. I'd like to end them. Yeah. And, and, but not everyone feels that way. And it can, it can be hard to navigate that. I, I mean, I, I go back to, I think it's, I think it's teaching and I think it's learning because I do when he gets, when he gets frustrated or pissed, I think a ton of it is, well, A, he's almost three. He doesn't, he, he's really just now getting into the very tip of the iceberg of figuring out what his emotions are and being able to verbalize them. And he wouldn't be able to do that if I was just like, oh, are you pissed? Like, what are you pissed about? Yeah. He doesn't know what being pissed was. He's just feeling it in his body. He just knows that he's upset and he doesn't know how to explain it. Um, it's my job as his mom to be like, feel it, scream. You want to scream into a pillow? Scream into a pillow. I scream into a pillow. Hell, it helps. Yeah. But like after you're done with that, after you can take a deep breath and like bring yourself back, let's figure out why you were pissed. And nine times out of 10, he is able to walk himself back and figure out exactly what it was he was upset about. Mm -hmm. And he might not know what that emotion is called because he's three, but it's my job to be like, were you feeling frustrated? And he's like, I wanted this and I couldn't have it. And I'm like, I get that. Yeah. That's called frustration. That's called anger. And it's okay to be those things, but being able to like 
put a label on them and say like, you were very angry and that's okay. I think that's a huge part of really all they need to learn at the, the young years, like that birth to three or four years old is like being able to label your emotions is mm -hmm. such an important skill. A lot of adults don't have it and, mm -hmm. and they get actually really good at coming up with excuses or, or, or attributing their emotions to something that it's not. And that is a very important skill to have. So that's, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. How about, what about food? Are you a foodie? Love food. You cook? Huge food eater. What's your favorite summer fruit? My favorite summer fruit is pineapple. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's also the thing I'm allergic to. You're allergic to your favorite summer fruit? Yeah. I'm allergic to my favorite fruit, food in general. That's awful. I like pineapple, but the fresh ones, how do you get the little spiky things out without losing a ton of the fruit? A pineapple core. Oh. Yeah. There's a special tool for it. I'll get you one. That sounds great. <laughs> I've seen the kind you like run over the top of it, but it seems like it cuts off a lot of the best part. I mean, that yes. outer outer part of the flesh is the very sweetest part. So this is an amazing tool that I only learned about a couple of years ago, probably about five years ago. You literally screw it. You cut off the head. Mm -hmm. You screw it into the pineapple and it takes a very minimal amount of the skin off. Like you still have some of those little pokies. That you just oh, like, it screws around the outside. It screws like down and around oh. the outside. So it's like this and you pull out the core and it like scrapes off the outside. It's... That sounds great. It's the ticket. Yeah. Pineapple, fresh yeah. pineapple is delicious. It's amazing. Hard to beat. Yeah. How often do you cook? <laughs> uh, not not very often anymore. Yeah. It's hard when yeah, you're busy. Yeah. No. Um, cooking falls to the bottom of my list. I love to cook. I do not like having to clean up afterwards. Yeah. I don't like that part either. Yeah. That part sucks. It's So I don't mind doing dishes, but I don't like having to do both. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind doing dishes, but I don't like having to do it at night. Yeah. I like, oh, yeah. I don't mind anything. Uh, I don't I don't mind working, but I don't want to do any work past 7 p.m. I do a lot of laundry past 7 p.m. I don't do laundry at all. Oh, you're lucky. <laughs> That's, yeah, I, I am very lucky. Shout out Melissa. <laughs> she does all the laundry for me. That's she gets she gets big credit in my eyes for doing all the laundry. Mine, too. Yeah, I don't I don't forget that. Like <laughs> I used to have to do my own laundry and it sucked. And now you don't. I didn't do it as much. Yeah. I would. I mean, I did I did laundry like an ADHD person does laundry. Okay. I had I had my clean pile and my dirty pile. Sure. And that's it. Totally. <laughs> that's, uh, <yeah>. When, <laughs> yeah, laundry is, I, I get a lot of laundry done after I put Aiden to bed. Yeah. There's a ton of laundry done and it's good. You know, I put on a podcast. You have a nice space to do it? No. Mm -mm. Oh, sure no. don't. Nope. That's, a laundry room is something I long for. That would be nice. Yeah. yeah. Where's your, where did, where's your washer and dryer? In my garage. Oh, so you're outside. I mean, my garage is attached to my house, but... Is it heated? Yeah. Okay, well, that's okay. Yeah, that's it's basically... insulated. It's got a concrete floor. basically an extra bedroom for your car. I mean, it's my pantry. Like, it's our workout room. It's our laundry room. It's really a... Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever tried those meal delivery services? Yes. So I did HelloFresh for quite a while. Um, and I liked it. I was good at it for a while. They use a lot of sauces... Ton of salt too. Ton of salt. I and wanted sugar. it to they be. They put sugar in way too many things. They put sugar in a lot of things, and I wanted it to be healthier than it was. And then when I started looking at it, I was like, "This isn't super healthy," but it was healthier than getting, you know, a burger and fries or sushi every night. Yeah, the burgers on HelloFresh are the best thing they make. It they are really really good. They, they a, have changed the way I make burgers. They had a beef bulgogi that oh. I absolutely love. Yeah, we we like that one too. That's bulgogi has been become a word in our house that mm -hmm. didn't exist before. <laughs> it's so good. We just bought a bag of bulgogi from yeah. Costco because of the HelloFresh bulgogi. There you go. Yeah, they're good. They're like a pot sticker with the 
I don't even know if bulgogi refers to a sauce or to a specific ingredient. I don't even know what it is, but I like it. So I think, so it's originally, it's a Korean dish. Yeah. Um, which I didn't know. I learned that on the Costco bag. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Love Costco. <laughs> Me too. Um, but I thought it was the sauce. I thought it was like the way the meat was prepared with the rice and the beef and the sauce and the cabbage. I thought it was the sauce too. I thought it, but... Maybe not. I have no maybe, idea. Maybe it was the sauce and it's in these pot stickers. I don't know. But they're better than the normal pot stickers, those Ling Lings, which are good. Which are good. Which are good. I ate a lot of Ling Lings back in the day. Me too. Yeah. Too many. I too burned many. myself out. I haven't out. had them out for a long yeah. time. Yeah. I burned myself out years ago. Um, so cooking, not a ton of cooking anymore. What are you? What are you lot. into? How, what do you do other than? Oh, you eat out a lot. See, that's an activity in itself. I, I love eat eating out. What are What are your favorite places? Well, I am a sushi girl through and through. It's my favorite food. Uh, anybody who knows me knows, like, it is delicious. What does Hillary want? Like, oh, she wants sushi. Like, but she just had it yesterday. Yeah, she wants it again. Does your husband like sushi? He loves sushi. What about your kid? Uh, he's had some sushi. He's only had like a. Just a small amount, and he was down for it. It's he, really, there's some that are good for kids. Start them early so they get used to the, the ocean flavor. My son loves steak. Oh, My nice. son will take down a ribeye. A ribeye. Like a full ribeye. Like a full ribeye. He will eat three quarters of it all by himself. Wow. And I'm not talking like overcooked. Like he will eat a medium rare ribeye mm -hmm. like it's his last meal. Yeah. All of my kids like steak medium rare, which oh I found very surprising. I haven't been able to eat red meat, like steak, in almost three years. It was just an aversion after I had Aiden. Really? Yeah. He stole your meat love. He stole my meat love. Wow. Yeah. That's terrible. I know. It sucks. Have you heard of the Lone Star Tick? No. There's a tick that is from Texas. Okay. And if, if it bites you, it gives you, I don't know if it's a type of Lyme disease or, or what, but it gives you an allergy to beef. Oh, shit. So once this thing bites you, you can no longer eat beef. Like forever? Forever. There's no remedy, cure. I don't think so. I think you're just done with beef. Yeah. See, I would have a problem with that because even though I can't eat like a steak, like steak just makes my stomach turn, I will go to town on a cheeseburger. Mm. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you tried steak? Two nights ago. Okay. So it's a for sure thing. I keep trying. I keep yeah. hoping. Oh. Because I, I don't mind the smell. That's not true. I mind the smell, but I want to like the smell when it's like the butter and the salt. And I the... was going to suggest trying the smell and to get you, you know, get this, the stimulation back, yeah. but that didn't do it, huh? I mean, it's hard not to smell it. You bring it in from the grill and yeah. everything smells like it. And it just. It's so good. Ugh. But yeah, that, that would I be want terrible. to love it so bad. I didn't love, I didn't eat steak for a long time. Like from, cause growing up we ate steak occasionally, but it was always like I, the kid gets the, the not good piece of cut, cut of meat and, um, <laughs> So a steak was never something I loved. It was always okay. like really kind of a stressful dinner because I was like, uh, you got to navigate the fatty chunks. Sure. And, and the gristle. Like, and... Yeah. And you're doing all of this while being watched and monitored and, and trying to get get the pieces of the dog that need to go to the dog when no <laughs> one's looking. And it's just a whole thing. And uh, once like I was out on my own paying for my own food, I was no longer eating steak for obvious reasons. And uh, yeah. And so by the time I was like married the second time and cooking steak regularly and actually getting good at it. I also fucked up steaks for like years because I didn't know. Were you overcooking them? Yeah, yeah. Just because I don't want to have to put them back on after and just like, it's very simple just to get a meat thermometer, but I can never keep one. They just get lost. I've only ever used meat thermometers like one time and then it's <laughs> like a one-time use product. And, uh, but yeah, now I'm really good at cooking steak and I know how much I actually do enjoy it and it's pretty hard to beat, but... 
My kids like it. Yeah. My it's it's huge in our house. My husband and my son love steak. Yeah. It's like you're a ribeye family. Yeah, we're a ribeye family. I used to do the ribeyes, and I've I started getting New Yorks just because they're usually on sale, and yep. I actually like New Yorks better now. We have New Yorks, so Freddy's will have like you know the three or four New Yorks for under twenty bucks. Yeah, and I'm like that's fantastic. So I get that quite often, but I do I do splurge on on some ribeyes because I know it's they're so good. It's the favorite bone the in flavor is and the just the fattiness, the marbling. The marbling. That's a good cut of meat. Yep, it's a good cut of meat. So that's but. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. So what do you eat instead? A lot of salads with chicken. Salads with chicken. Mm-hmm. Those are good too. I do salads. I make a really good shrimp taco. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Prawns? Yeah. A Costco bag of like deveined, detailed. Yeah. Do you get the pre-cooked ones or the no, not? No, raw. Yeah, you got to do raw because otherwise you're overcooking them. Yeah. By the time you thaw them and then put them back in the pan, then they're rubbery. all rubbery. No good. Um corn tortillas i have a hard time cooking shrimp correctly too they always end up rubbery once they turn pink they're done yeah i guess and it takes like three minutes and that's it it's quick it's It's so quick which is another reason i love them yeah you ever eat them undercooked though no it's bad Mm -mm. it's very bad i don't like that i got a texture i like text certain textures are really hit or miss Mm -hmm. to get that weird you ever get that just like sudden disgusted feeling on a food that you like like I get it with a deli turkey, like ro- okay. like a lunch meat turkey. If okay. there's a, a very thick sandwich, I'll just be like enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, this is disgusting to me and I don't want another bite. I get it with that. I, I've got it with lots of foods, but um, I, I've got it with steak. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you'd call it, but does that ever happen to you? I can't say I've experienced that. Could just be a weird thing for me. I can't say I've experienced that. I, do, I am a texture person though. Mm-hmm. Um, some textures are just really hard for me. Grits, a lot of people love it. It's a texture thing for me. Grits are weird. They're like waxy. Okay, but also it's like the oatmeal, cream of wheat, like that whole oh, family. Oh, you don't like that whole family Mm-mm. of foods. No, that whole family of like... Malto meal. You ever no. tried that? Yes, I have. It's very it's lumpy. Not, <laughs> I just... That whole cottage cheese is another one. Like Oh, yeah. I love cottage cheese, but yeah, I can, I can see how that could be disgusting. I like yogurt, but it has to have like fresh fruit and granola in it. Mm-hmm. Some texture. It has to have some texture. Yeah. But not, you know, not like a grainy, slimy, weird texture. Yeah. I don't like big globby stuff. Like, uh, what's that? Panna cotta. You ever had a good panna cotta? I've had a good panna cotta. I like them, but it needs a crunch. I okay. Think maybe throw a crust on that thing. Okay. It, just, a, just a bite of gelatin seems strange to me. Same with Jello. Like, oh, Jello, I love Jello. Jello's great, but it doesn't seem finished to me. It seems like mm. a, a food that you forgot to finish. <laughs> Uh, what would you like to see on a Jello? Something crunchy. Really? <laughs> I need something to bite. Like I chew ice cream. I like to have something to chew on. <laughs> so do you ever just have like vanilla ice cream, or does it always have to yeah, have no, like ah, vanilla? I'll eat whatever kind you got. And you chew it? Yeah, I'll chew it. Do you put anything in it? Sometimes. If what are you chewing on? Available. The ice cream. It's frozen. It's a solid. You, you... It's not a milkshake. I don't chew milkshakes. I'm not a sociopath. Well, you chew ice cream. I'm not so sure. It's just a, a way to digest the food quicker. I don't. I, okay. I do do it though. I've noticed myself do it. Um, so you don't have sensitive teeth then is what you're saying? No, no, I don't. My teeth are mostly fake. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I grind my teeth in my sleep mm. pretty pretty horribly. So my teeth all broke and fell out. Ouch. Yeah. And then I had to get uh, root canals and fake teeth and all this stuff in the back. Pretty bad. It sucks. And now um, my crown fell off like six months ago. Oh. And so there was a gap. 
and they couldn't get me in for like two weeks or longer maybe. And when I went in, finally, the gap had closed. My other teeth just moved. I also have hypermobility. So my shit just moves around. And uh, yeah, the gap closed and he's like, all right, well, we don't have anywhere to put this other crown. So you just, you just how your teeth are now. So you don't have a crown. Is your nerve exposed? Uh, no, it's, uh, it was. Just your tooth was filed down and you had a yeah. crown on top? Yeah. Copy. It, oh, it's a root canal, that okay. root canal tooth. But um, yeah, so now the, my jaw shifted and now I have awful jaw pain. Oh. Yeah. And I actually had horrible jaw pain my whole life leading up to getting braces right before all this crown stuff happened and um, the braces fixed it okay. and then so i was like jaw pain free for almost a whole year and a half and then uh but yeah then that whole thing happened and now my jaw's shifted it and now it hurts in a different way but it's life you know hey I life feel is you. good i clench my jaw do you and i wake up with headaches and excruciating jaw pain you ever get a mouth guard i have a mouth guard I take it out and throw it across the room in my sleep. Me too. Yeah. I would wake up and it would be in the bed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mine's like clear across the room. Yeah. Stuck in the wall like a throwing star. Oh, my gosh. It's like I found it on my dresser. I found it under my dresser. I found it like in my hamper. I'm like, where the fuck is this? Nighttime sleep you is not the same person as the no. one who goes to bed. It's, no. It's just like, and it's weird too because when you're in that state, you, you're you're different. Like you don't have the same intentions. It's the one I stopped sleeping with it because I was tired of trying to find it the next day. Mm -hmm. I sleep pretty. I'm the weird. I am the I am the weird person that sleeps like in one position and doesn't flat move. on your back. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, a back sleeper. Really? Yeah. You don't worry that somebody's going to come up and, and attack you or on my back. Well, yeah, you're exposing your all your vital organs. As well, opposed you, to on your side. Well, yeah. When you, you want to just kind of protect that Do you shit. sleep in the fetal position. Doesn't everybody? No. Hmm. Well, no, I sleep on my back. If you very... want to take the risk. <laughs> you live with a cop. You're probably safe. <laughs> yeah. I sleep on my back very still. Um, and Do you I cross don't... your hands like on your chest? Like I'm dead in a coffin? That seems like what would be natural. <laughs> no, they're usually just right here. That's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wake up and you can see like where I've slept and then the bed is just. That's crazy. Just to made. Me. That's crazy to me. You must feel great. You just sleep all night and wake up and go to go on with your day. Do you dream? Uh, no, not in a long time. Wow. That's odd. <laughs> well, my sleep is interrupted a lot lately with my son. Oh. So it's... I Do don't... you have him in his own room? Yes. Does he get up and come into yours? <laughs> not unless I carry him. Oh, okay. Because he's still in a crib. Oh, okay. Yeah. You can't get out of that thing? Oh, fuck. Good yeah. job. I, we never did make the crib work on ours. Not yet. You it's uh, He was a very noisy sleeper. I tried doing like the co-sleep thing and he like ground his jaw and was clicking his tongue and shit. And I was like, you've got to go. Yeah. I can't sleep and I need sleep. Yeah. So he went to his own room and there he's been for damn near three years. That's got to be nice. Yeah. We haven't been that successful with that. So how, what's your sleep getting disrupted by? He's been waking up. He oh. wakes up and he cries and then, you know, go in, console him, rock. Sometimes it just doesn't work. And yeah. whatever he's working through, I'm not going to fight it at two o'clock in the morning when I'm half asleep and yeah. he's half asleep. And so, you know, snuggle him for a while. And then if he goes back down, great. If not, it's. Then it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Sleep is important. I actually slept good last night. Good. Um, it, I was talking with my wife this morning. It's like, it's one of those random days I get like 
once a month where I actually like laid down and fell asleep and then in the morning just got up and like was done with the sleep. Usually my sleeps are like I'll lay down for an hour, get up, walk around a bit, lay back down, get up, walk around a bit all night long, just like over and over and over again. But I don't know what the factor is that leads me to be able to just do it on one random day, just sleep like a normal person. And I would love to figure it out, but I, I can't seem to. I guess it wasn't that normal. I fell asleep on the floor. Um, not this floor, but a similar floor. Okay. And uh, woke up like, and went into the bed at some point. I don't even remember going like into the last bedroom. night? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I must've been really, just really tired. I don't know. Sleep sleep evades me most times. Do you, I'm sure you have. Do you, do you, have you tried meditating? Have you tried box yeah. breathing? Oh, I do all that stuff anyway. I just don't, I don't know what it is. I think it's caffeine intake is one because I take a lot of caffeine. Okay. I would like to try a month of no stimulants, Mm -hmm. uh, de-stress as much as possible, eat the right foods, like try to get my circadian rhythms right and then see how it is. Maybe you have a form of narcolepsy. Well, maybe, but I don't sleep during the day well very much. Isn't narcolepsy when you just fall asleep randomly? I mean, mild forms of narcolepsy can be like, oh, yeah, this person can just like take a nap anywhere they want and they can have like a mild form of narcolepsy. Mm. Or like I've I've heard and read of studies, um, but people who can't sleep during the night and they're just like up and down. I mean, insomnia is a very real thing, but yeah, yeah, it's it's terrible. I wish I could sleep well, but (laughs) you have the opposite of narcolepsy. Yeah, I have the opposite. I stay up too much. Let's see if I have anything else in here before. Uh, yeah. Oh, what were you? What things did you bring that you were going to talk about? Uh, oh, well, you had asked me, you know, about the market. Market stats. Market stats and things like that. But I think that might bore people. Yeah, okay. The market's shifted. Average days on market is growing. Is, and that's normal, right? Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, if we look back historically, it's now we're going back to what people are calling like the normal. Okay. Um, to where like 2019, 2018, 2017, we had a much greater inventory and days on market were sometimes, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 days on market was normal. Uh-huh. Where, um, whereas we just came out of 24 months where, you know, you'd have like 24 days on market. Yeah. It's uh, not a reason to panic. If you look back historically, as far as like interest rates, inventory, we're still in a historical low for inventory. So the supply and demand and like the fear of the crash, mm-hmm. we still have historically low inventories and a huge demand. Yeah. So it's not going anywhere. Yeah. But yeah, it seems like the economy is in rough shape, but it'll bounce back. It'll bounce back. We need we need some kind of a new industry that will bring in some cash. What do you think that industry is going to be? Probably crypto. Okay. Most likely. I know nothing about crypto. I'm here to tell you. You don't want to get into it. It'll just break your heart. Okay. <laughs> I I feel like it's it's hard for me to even talk about it anymore. It, I I stepped away from it just temporarily so that I could perver- preserve my mental health. And every when I went back, everything was so different. It had only been a couple of months, and like whole projects had risen and fallen and it had been just a whole nother landscape things change really fast and if you don't have the time to invest in research and or the interest like a lot of people just don't have the interest which right now i don't so if i'm not interested in it i can't i can't learn about it so i'm like my my education on that has frozen like last march 
but it was pretty exciting there for a while. I really, I really liked it. The NFTs were cool. Not anymore. The <laughs> terrible. But yeah, I do think though that it's, the technology really is very cool. And it's, it's something that has been needed for a long time and it'll, it'll eventually be used a lot. But for now, I don't see anything that excited about it. The metaverse, that's another thing that, that was all about a year ago, everyone was talking about the metaverse. And now it's, it's, it only took a year for that term to be coined, come into popularity and then crash and burn. And Mark Zuckerberg is crying about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, uh, let's see. We've done two, almost two hours. Oh my goodness. That's, we're already, we're done. How did I do? You did great. Thank you for coming. Um, Thank you. Do you have anything you want to cover? Closing words? Final thoughts? All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Hillary. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you guys for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ramble by the River. If you did, it really helps us out if you leave us a rating or a review. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And if you want to get more involved and support the show, you can subscribe to our Patreon page for exclusive content, bonus episodes, and a Ramble by the River t-shirt with every Royal Rambler subscription after three months. Instructions for how to join are at ramblebytheriver.com. Click the subscribe link. And it's easy peasy lemon squeezy. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week. Bye. Can't nobody take me here and now. It's my time to run it out. It's my time. It's my time. It's my time to run it out. I'm young. I'm free. Can't nobody take me here and now. It's my time to run it out. It's my time. It's my time. It's my time to run. This episode of Ramble by the River is brought to you by Ford Electric, 360-642-2137. Serving Southwest Washington since 1944, Ford Electric is the local standard for quality electrical work and outstanding customer service. But don't just take my word for it. Richard H. went to Yelp to say that the Ford Electric team were prompt, careful, explained things well, left clear instructions, and were generally cheerful. They actively planned to minimize any inconvenience to me, and they worked hard to make the new outlets work well and look good. 
Alan P. said, In less than an hour, Ford came in and repaired the broken thermostat on my baseboard heater and then upgraded three of my old fluorescent lights with cool new LED disc lights. Thank you for another great service call. You guys rock! Jessica M. had this to say, Very nice staff. You can tell this place is family-owned, in a good way. And that's really cool. Everyone I worked with seemed to really care about the level of service that they provided. Very helpful in figuring out what I really needed, since electrical work is not my area of expertise. And making sure I understood what was going on. We'll definitely use them again. Five stars. Five-star review after five-star review. All of them saying how wonderful it is to work with Ford Electric. Whether you're in need of someone to wire your new construction project or you need someone to call when the lights go out, go with Ford Electric. Call 360-642-2137 to schedule your electrical service today. I can tell you from personal experience, I know the guys who work for this company, I know the guys who own this company, and they are top of the line, cream of the crop, human beings. If you call them and schedule something, you're gonna get the best service available, and that's just a given. So don't make the mistake of going with somebody else. Call Ford Electric today for your electrical service in Southwest Washington. One more time, that's 360-642-2137 for Ford Electric.